for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Um, but that sounds fun, though, man. You got to explore the city. I walk for hours. Do you go into any buildings that you pass by? I see. I go. I look window shop, <laughs> and I stare at people, and I'll pick one person to follow, and I follow them. <laughs> you... But I'll tell you what. I'll, I'm tasteful. It's never a woman. Good. That's It's great. always a man. Um, should we start the show, Marcus? Yes, we should. Are right, we starting a show? We're starting the show. So I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Welcome to the show we, we are starting now. How are you oh, doing? Uh, I'm just I'm just sitting in Toronto. I got a little <laughs> rhyme about Toronto, which is which has really been helping me. All right? You got to drink some wine till you feel fine. Drink some scotch till you're the boss. Yeah, but you could make that rhyme in any city. That's not a rhyme that's, you know, definitely needed just for Toronto. It's been helping me here in the hotel. And I also wrote it in lipstick on the walls <laughs> right around my bed and around the bathroom. So, but you know that like cleaning ladies go into your, uh, you know, into your hotel room like once every other day or so. So, you know, people do under- see what you're doing in there. I toss dollar bills at them to keep their fucking mouth shut. Also, <laughs> the thing is here too is that everything got coins that are actually worth money. So it's like $2 coins. And so I'll just toss a good, like, $12 worth of coins at her just to hear the changling on the ground. Ooh, I love it. You're throwing hard objects at maids? <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> That's my we new hobby. Hollywood Henry Zabrowski was a bit of a kook, but uh, Toronto Henry Zabrowski, I think he's a borderline felon. <laughs> I, I literally accidentally gave a homeless man uh, $6. Can you, ask, <laughs> can you ask for it back when you do that? I'm new here. I didn't realize. I watched the coins leave my hand into his hand, and I was like, I just, well, cool. All right, good. Yeah. I can't, give it back. Give it back. And then his reaction was just far too ecstatic for what you well, thought the like situation was. He did like a prospector like, Woo, <laughs> Hopped up and clicked his fucking heels. And then and then he died in a pool of his own vomit right in front of me. Oh, that's not a bad way to go. All right. Today's topic is amazing. Betty and Barney Hill. Now, this abduction case is the first. Uh, it's actually the first abduction case recorded. Up until this point. People have been seeing, like, flying saucers and weird little men walking around. We covered it when I was, like, talking about Jacques Vallée and his book Dimensions about how <clears> in the 40s and 50s, people have been seeing, like, weird little, uh, basically what they what they considered to be tiny Italian men. Yeah. So like, stealing their fruit mm-hmm. because that's what Italians do. Well, the craziest thing is the UFOs would go overhead and everybody's toilets became unplugged. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the Italian UFO haunting. Absolutely. And so um, I've been alone in a hotel room for about a week thoroughly researching this case. Okay, again, you can just get outside. There's a door. You can open it. Just step right out there, Henry. I go out there, but no one wants to hear about Betty and Barney Hill out on okay. the streets of Toronto. And don't think I haven't tried talking to somebody. <laughs> um, but this case is incredible. Yes. You have two reliable witnesses. It's the first time they use regression uh, hypnosis, which we know is dubious. Mm. It's among but, the most dubious of all uh, psychiatric uh, practices. Okay. If not the most dubious. So it's extremely trustworthy? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that if you read the book, I read the book uh, Interrupted Journey, which is what the, basically was one of the first books about this topic written. Uh, it was written by uh, John G. Fuller. 
uh, with the we basically worked with Benjamin Simon, who was the hypnotherapist for Betty and Barney Hill, and they really do a pretty good job of covering up their tracks because what you can discover is when they were doing the regression hypnosis, they weren't trying to prove the existence of aliens. They were trying to basically calm down Betty and Barney Hill because they were fucking hysterical. Yeah. Um, because they got raped. Well, possibly. <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's figure out who these hills are. Let's go to the early 60s. Oh, yeah, it's 1961. Yeah, girls got see-through shirts mm-hmm. on. And the, again, bush hair, <laughs> seven inches long, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in 1961, Barney Hill himself was a 39-year-old black man who worked for the U.S. Postal Service. That is what's interesting, too, is that this is an interracial couple, which was also very controversial, and I will also say is... yeah. Used somehow described with even the, the the I don't know the type of taste used in the interrupter journey, but it was all just just being like, and this improbable couple like that's all they would like <laughs> right. talk about. And the way you say black market, it is still a, it's a little bit something the way you say it. What black man? Oh, that's better. That yeah. was better. It was actually illegal in many states. Well, I mean, I was well. That's what I was leading up to is right, that okay. it was he was a black man. She was a white woman, forty one years old. Uh, interracial marriage was still illegal in many states across the United States in 1961. Uh, Betty owned a master's degree. She was the supervisor for the Child Welfare Department. So these are very credible witnesses. These are not backwoods trailer park hillbillies. These are very well-respected people in their community. Absolutely. And Betty was a civil rights fighter uh, during the 40s uh, in college. Like she would, there was a story of her uh, basically befriending the only black girl in her college. Uh, Barney Hill wanted to be an engineer and was told early on that 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 was not a a job field. There was not a field that hired black people. Mm -hmm. Um, So he became a postal worker. But you have these two people with a lot of degrees who who basically couldn't get ahead in life and are basically hiding out in New Hampshire um, because it's one of at this point, like one of the most liberal parts of the country yeah some yeah, people great. some people say uh when they're trying to debunk the story that uh they their psychosis was caused by the stress of being in an interracial marriage but both betty and barney hill say that they didn't really have any problems their friends were very accepting their community right. was very mm-hmm. accepting there's also a thing it's, called black semen fever <laughs> i've get. heard that i think i've got it myself <laughs> yeah uh, but and the, it's very it's you see discs everywhere but the thing is is that it makes you dance real great. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's why I could use some. I love the idea also, yeah, you can have sex with your girlfriend, you can have sex with your husband and your wife, but really when it becomes like, get over here, let's make some civil rights. Let's do it. Let's, baby, come play civil rights worker with me. And that's how you get a blowjob. And it's perfect. It, it gives things so much more weight and mm-hmm. cause. You're not just having dirty, disgusting sex. You're saving the union. The thing that was always weird to me, though, is how every author, like, described Barney Hill as a snappy dresser. Right. Like, he, was it? Like, if you see all the pictures of him, he just looks like a guy from the 50s. Yeah. But they all kept saying he's, like, real snazzy guy. And it's just like, yeah. I mean, I didn't see him in a wide-brim hat with a fucking feathers sticking out of it, you know what I mean? (laughs) And furthermore, if you want to test uh, Barney Hill's credibility... He was later played by James Earl Jones in wow. the TV movie The UFO Incident. That's Simba. all that you need. <laughs> by the way, one of the most racist moments in Hollywood was that James Earl Jones was not actually the man who was behind the mask in Darth Vader as he played Darth Vader. He just well, voiced Darth Vader. Well, no, he was because James Earl Jones was a short, fat man. It's the future. <laughs> Why can't Luke have a black dad? What I did find weird about James Earl Jones in the movie um, is that he is actually painted white, <laughs> oh. which I didn't really yeah. appreciate. They went the Johnny Depp Tonto route. But Dev, that movie, I watched about 20 minutes of that movie, and it's very weird. Yeah. Uh, the UFO incident is very fucking weird because it starts with James Earl Jones and some dis- undiscernible white woman, and he's just like, I can't believe you let me come drive through New Hampshire, Bob, Betty. And it's like his voice is, is not what a normal person sounds like. No, it's yeah. a beautiful voice. No, no, no. So let's get to the actual abduction itself. So in September 1961, Barney had developed developed a little bit of an ulcer so him and his wife decided to take a little trip over to Canada yeah. Ooh, <laughs> my hometown yeah yeah they went to Niagara Falls they went to Montreal and on the 19th of that month they started going back to Portsmouth uh, New Hampshire where they lived it was a clear night a crescent moon 
hung in the sky. It was very heavily wooded. It was a very secluded road. There weren't a whole lot of people there. So it was the busiest. The moon sagged like a big white tit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can put a nipple on anything. Mm. I would at this point. I'm about to. Good, do it. (laughs) I'm telling you, dude, you get that flashlight, but everyone says, no, 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 I can't have a silicone monster in my hotel room. Thank you, Marcus. That's so great that you wanted to make Henry's situation sadder. (laughs) we're, We're trying to get him out of his hotel room, and your advice is... Bring in a fake pussy. <laughs> well, what I've been doing is that if I'm if I'm I'm gonna get one and I'll be in the hotel and if, if there's someone who comes in and wants to do room service, I'll like open the door crack and then use the pussy lips and be like, come back in two hours, please. <laughs> okay, you know? that'd be great. Yeah, Pamela, the yeah. pussy lips. It's going all, great in here. You can do all kinds of fun things with it. So at about a quarter past ten, three miles south of Lancaster, Betty saw in the sky what she first thought was a falling star. Mm. But the falling star paused in the sky and then started inching its way back upwards next to the moon. Now, what they said is really interesting. The way they described the movement of it was that it was like a fly, uh, like, looking for a landing spot. Hmm. So it was kind of hopping around in the sky. Uh, And at first, uh, Barney was like, that's a satellite. So just don't even look at it, Betty. For the love of God, Betty! Right. And you know, like the 1961 satellite, it runs on diesel, and it's clunky and (laughs) stupid looking. Yeah, so south of Twin Twin Mountain, uh, Betty and Barney, they stopped at a roadside picnic area so they could walk their dog... Delzy. Yeah, they had, a, the cute, they had a Dotson. That's the cutest <laughs> couple ever. And the names are which one's the dog? If you had if you were Delzy, Barney, or Betty, which is the dog? It's tough to tell. I would have said Barney. I well, he's presidential. Yeah, I had a buddy who had a dog named Barney. He was the cutest little beagle. It's a great name for a dog. Oh, Good yeah. name You're for a being man. Racist. Well. Oh, come on. <laughs> so this while they stopped, this gave Betty the opportunity to look at the object through binoculars. Barney worried about bears went to the trunk of his car and grabbed his gun. This is now, so be- Betty, Betty, we need to get back in this car because you know what they say about being a black man at nighttime with a bunch of bears. Meet you. <laughs> they will elect you president of being the bears. And I don't have time to be president of the bears because the male will... It keeps going on. It does. It never stops. (laughs) So Betty, she's watching it through the binoculars. She sees the craft travel across the face of the moon, flashing multicolored lights. Cool. By the time she handed over the binoculars to Barney, the object had changed course and then started rapidly descending in their direction. So they real fucking fast got back to their car. They started driving. Well, Barney, during this time period, so what he kept seeing, he kept saying he called it a Piper Cub. Right, he's like that's a Piper Cup, which is basically it's a it's a seaplane, um, and he had this thought in his head of the the military's flying planes around and is is buzzing us. They saw us and they want to like come mess with us, and that's a bad right. thing. I can't believe the government's doing this to us. Yeah, well, um, military. Whenever the military tries to pull a joke, it tends uh, it uh, it tends to be just really super scary, and then you feel like you're about to die. Man, did they think 9-11 was going to be hilarious. Oh, my God. That was, yeah. That Man. was huge. That was their Andy Kaufman moment. But what is it, what I find interesting about all of this stuff here, so what you watch is, is basically this light in the sky draws their attention. And like what we talked about with Jacques Vallée and the idea of aliens and their nature to reality, right? That that maybe they're not physical ships. It's not like a thing in the sky. That it's literally, it's a it's sort of like a thought mechanism that is part of Betty and Barney Hill's mind at the same time, right? So it feels like they're being watched by this thing and they're getting intentions from this thing because it's basically out there just for them to see it. So nobody else can see it, you don't think? No, because we'll find out later on that there was a blip on a radar that night uh, in the weather station, like near there, that was like up at a mountain. They basically saw a a radar aberration. Um, But this is a UFO as a psychic phenomena. This also comes from a solid 106 hours of reading about aliens and sitting alone in a room. Again, the door, there's a door and there's a handle. You just turn that handle. Yeah. You're in the world, Henry. You can go read about aliens in a bar. Oh, my I did. God. I did do that. Yeah. Okay, good, good. And who approached you? No one. Good, good. So, you know, Toronto is a lot like New York. That's good to know. So the car, they're driving down the road in the car, and 
this big craft actually blocks their way in the road. It starts descending towards them, and it's huge. It's about 80 to 100 feet above the vehicle. Barney stops the car and grabs his binoculars uh, for a closer look, and he says that rapidly in an arc-like movement, it shifted from its location directly ahead and rested above the treetops in an adjacent field. Barney put his handgun in his pocket and walked towards it. Right. He said the craft was about 60 to 80 feet in diameter. And as he approached it, he said that two red lights at the end of fin-like structures parted from the sides of the, cr- sides of the craft mm. and tilted towards Barney. He said he lifted up his binocular to his... Uh, he lifted up the binoculars, and he said inside he saw a group of figures that were, quote, somehow not human, moving about with the precision of German officers. This is very interesting mm-hmm. because... Because up until this point, Betty and Barney had been viciously arguing because the whole thing is she kept seeing it in the sky and she was like, I want to, I want to, let's stop. Let's go look at it. And she was really fascinated. And what they kept saying about Betty Hill is that she was an unflappable woman, that she was like a very calm, almost quite boring. Right. (laughs) Unflappable is the uh, code word for extremely boring. Extremely boring. And so she was getting really excited and saying like, I think that's a UFO. And Barney was like, no, no, that is not a UFO. To Barney's credit, he is a black man married to a white woman who's 39, so it's not only 1961. He's seen some pretty terrible things happen to people um, of his race and certainly people of his race who marry white women. Usually flashing lights, you don't run towards them. <laughs> you, you just try to, you try to get back as quickly as possible. Betty, do we got to deal with space races? But it looks like the world's biggest police officer. I know, I, do, I know, and then these police officers... <laughs> What is it? Is that some kind of hose oil? <laughs> um, so, so, and they seem uh, German. I love that, that that's how famous the Germans are for just like moving really rigid, but like they, they look like Germans. It's almost, they almost look good when they move. Yeah. Oh, the Germans are aliens. Aliens who move like Germans. <laughs> yeah. It's like they invented the robot. <laughs> um, but, but it was like a robot that killed six million Jews. You remember, Ben. <laughs> so... So Barney and Betty had been arguing and arguing and arguing, uh, and so finally he, when the thing started approaching the, uh, when the thing started approaching the car, he pulled over the car to this like rest spot, and basically what he found himself was compelled to grab his binoculars, and because the whole time he was just like Betty, all right, we will do this once and we will go and we will we will settle this once and for all. Right. And when he walked out and he said the way it moved was that it was like a um, the windows never stopped facing him. It arced down and sloped down so the windows were looking at him like it was a bunch of eyes, and then he saw all of the occupants inside of it, basically a dude sitting at a desk right. and a bunch of guys behind him, and they're all working like robots except when they see him. And one thing he said here is that one turned around and smiled at him, but in with their, their slit mouth, so it kind of looked like um, somebody with, like, Botox or something like that. It was just like, like very like that doctor who killed himself because he was made fun of on the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. (laughs) It's an incredible story. (laughs) He's a fucking monster. It's interesting. Um, but it's very interesting. So basically, then we'll talk about this further. But they had sort of a psychic relationship, him and the captain of this ship, who sort of pulled him out of the car. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Barney said that he had this feeling. Like, he, of course, the uh, craft started to tilt towards him, and he said that he had this feeling that something bad was about to happen. Right. Uh, so he had to, he absolutely had, he had to tear the binoculars from his face because he couldn't move and started racing back to the car. And the great thing about the Betty and Barney Hill case is that all of their uh, regressive hypnotherapy, all of it was recorded. So we have so much footage of Betty and Barney Hill talking about their experiences. And uh, we've got some footage we're going to play right now that is Barney talking about this experience. Sort of like one of the first podcasts. Like that. Right. 
It's really intense. It's always it c- important also when you're about to record somebody, make sure you put the audio device right in front of a box fan. <laughs> you know, that's, that's like perfect. That's exactly what you want to do. But in the description of him doing it, we're going to get deeper into the hypnotic regression of it in the second episode. But he, what they're saying is that when they cut to him, while he was recounting first seeing the leader's face, mm-hmm. he burst into tears and started screaming and convulsing and would... Can we talk about his eyes? Eventually, you're going to hear the term. He keeps going, his eyes, his eyes were inside of me. And oh. he starts, like, <laughs> circling his hands in the air. Like, he's kind of like, um, I don't know, tw- twisting, twisting some pig tails. <laughs> yeah, he's doing the chubby trucker. He's just twisting the night away. That's yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, very scary shit. This shit kept me up for a couple of nights. Yeah, the And sentence- it wasn't just boozing and staring. No, again, there's a door. Open it. Just go outside, Henry. Um, but it, the, yeah, the idea of his eyes were inside of me is the most disturbing image I could possibly think of. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, Barney, he gets back into the car. Uh, he is hauling ass down the highway. Uh, and they said that as they were driving, they were in silence. They weren't saying anything. Nothing was uh, communicated between them. Uh, and they say the right. craft parked directly overhead. They were keeping pace. And they said that they heard this rhythmic buzzing noise. The way that- they put it down, I heard one recording of it, and it was like a Beep, 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 beep. Hmm. And Betty was just like, ah, God, I wish I had learned Morse code. <laughs> and it's like, what do you, what, you nerds. <laughs> so the whole car started vibrating, and they said that they felt this tingling sensation passing through their bodies. Betty said that she touched the metal on the passenger door, expecting to feel some sort of electric shock, but she could only feel vibration. And they said that it's at this point that they started to feel an altered state of consciousness and that their minds started to become dulled. They heard a second series of uh, beeping and buzzing noises and when they woke back up again they found that they were 35 miles south and had lost two hours of time. Which is really kind of fun if you think about like let's make good time. You know, making good time is so important when you travel. This is the opposite. This is making bad time. This would make me mad because I was supposed to get back. I was supposed to get back at fucking one o'clock so I could see some Matlock. But instead, now I got to sit and watch the evening news. Mm -hmm. And of course, (laughs) thanks aliens. Yeah, they didn't have TiVo back then. So if you missed it, you missed it. You missed it. That's what they say. So the only lost time memories they had were a flying orb in the road that was silhouetted against a stand of trees, uh, a sharp unplanned turn off the highway way and a roadblock yeah. but they didn't know where any of these things occurred they were now, just flashes just, of memory right which we've already seen in other alien abduction cases now that are because now this is you got to remember that this is the first time any of these types of details are ever being heard now they're considered very stereotypical of alien abduction scenarios this is the first time anyone heard this so basically aliens when they mess with our psyches right they they put sort of like images into our brain as like placeholders which is why people always talk about like seeing owls or seeing all this stuff instead of seeing the aliens or like seeing a doctor or when that dude when you remember the whole thing with aliens dressed up in a fucking zoot suit like showing up and like dancing in front of you like the really Mm. high strangeness of it their memory the only conscious thing they have was of a bunch of road workers on a road next to a downed car that looked like a giant glowing moon just sitting in the so, middle of the street, and they viewed it as if it was totally normal, as a normal memory. Right. So do these aliens do improv everywhere? 
Is that what this is? <laughs> so these are so they fake the uh, whatever their their spacecraft. They fake that it's broken down. Then you're you're the uh, you know the worker who's going to go work on the car today, whatever Clacks are, whatever her name is. And then they just fake it until the car goes by, and then they speed up twenty feet ahead of it and put on another. May show? I get a suggestion from the audience? <laughs> <laughs> Roadblock will do. I have a um, hello, um, Rulio. How is your packed lunch? Well, they do take things very literally. You know, <laughs> they do. They do. So when the Hills got home, they searched their car. They looked at the outside of their car where the noise was coming from, and they said that they found these shiny circles on their car's trunk. And when they put a compass over these circles, the needle would whirl around, and if it was moved to another part of the car, the needle dropped down. It now, went back they, to normal Because this again. came mm. from, basically, Betty, when they got back, Barney and Betty were both, Bar- Barney was immediately like, we are not telling anybody that we saw anything. We're not right. doing anything. Yeah, it's already, it's like, we are the aliens, as it is, because I'm a black man and you're a white woman, so we can't fucking bring any more attention to ourselves. Well, you work so hard for credibility in your life, and then all of a sudden you see an alien, and you're just like, I well... I'm ruined now. Yeah, <laughs> this this ruins everything that I've worked so hard for. Yeah, they were high rank. They were high ranking members in the in the local NAACP chapter. Uh, they worked on a lot of civil rights stuff, so they had everything to lose by telling they had people everything about to this. lose. Um, so she called her sister because what you find out is that actually her sister had a uh, had a history of seeing UFOs, um, and she had seen at least two, and so she knew her sister would believe her. So she called her, and her sister, because again it's a weird 1960s thing, was like, "My neighbor is a physicist. You should ask my neighbor what he thinks." Mm-hmm. And then he cu- he got on the phone because it's all you know it's all rotary phones, right? So everything's six foot court. And so he should show up. Uh, he calls and he was like, you should check all those spots you see in the back of your car with a compass and see what happens to it. And so Betty went out to check with a compass and she was like, Barney, look, it's spinning, Barney, it's spinning. And, and he's like, fucking, no, I won't, I won't do it. And so he then begrudgingly goes over, takes the compass and he's just like, yeah, I guess it is spinning, darling, but uh, well... This compass is broken. <laughs> it's got to be broken. <laughs> there were other odd things, too. Their watches stopped and never ran again. The leather strap on Barney's binoculars had been completely severed. They also had certain odd behavior. Betty insisted that all of the luggage that they had taken on the trip with them be kept near the back door rather than the main part of the house because she was worried about radiation. That hmm. she thought that this, all of this luggage had to be contaminated, so we can't bring it inside. There were other weird things too. Her favorite dress that she'd been wearing, yeah, uh, which was in great shape uh, on the morning of September nineteenth. Uh, when she got home, there was a two-inch tear at the top of her zipper. The lining was torn from waist to hemline, and the hem was torn all the way down one side. And later, when she, uh, I mean, when she uh, examined it further, because another piece of odd behavior is that she took that dress and immediately put it in a bag and hid it in the back of her closet where she didn't want to look at it at all until right. she pulled it back out and saw this shit. Yeah, These she, aliens have to see what kind of clothes the people they're about to abduct are wearing, send somebody to Kohl's, pick up a similar-looking outfit <laughs> so at least they don't have to have ruined, tattered clothes after the uh, unbelievable invasion of their body. Facts are, do you have a Mary Claire credit card? She's like, um, I do, I definitely do, but unfortunately, it's maxed out. Is there petty cash? <laughs> you gotta get that petty cash. The really weird thing about the dress is that there was a strange pink powder mm. that had degraded the fabric. The longer that it was there, the more the fabric just turned into a rag. It got analyzed by five different laboratories, and not a single one could come up with any explanation for what it was. Uh, also, Barney's shoes, they were his best dress shoes. They were scraped at all on the top. Like on they the were, top, which is like he was being drugged and his toes were uh, you know, hitting the uh, concrete. Yeah. And if you see pictures of the shoes... They were, like, truly fucked up. Yeah. The top right. of those sh- shoes looked like they had fucking claw marks at the very top of it. Like, he had right. been dragged for a while. And there's no way that you can just kind of do that on accident. There's no, like, even Michael Jackson, the best dancer of all time, he danced on the bottom of his feet. Yeah. You know, even the moonwalk, <laughs> it was all on the bottom. No, n- Nothing on top. <laughs> but the but you also the thing, too, which is really strange, is that when he got back to the house, he had an instinctive feeling that I need to check out my, my groin. Yeah. My dick, my dick parts. Something's wrong with my junk. 
and you're going right. to find out that it, over the next two years, a concentric circle of a perfect circle of warts grew on, <laughs> above his cock and balls. Um, I wonder if that was discussed in the naming of the band a perfect circle, and that was one of the like the third <laughs> a, a perfect circle of warts. Okay, we're go so close. We just cut off the of warts part. <laughs> So now we're going to hear from uh, a couple. Do you want to introduce these people, Henry? Kathleen Martin, Stanton. Uh, Kathleen Martin and Stanton Friedman. Okay, so Kathleen Martin is uh, is Betty Hill's niece, um, and so she is she is the child of the woman that Betty Hill called when it first happened, and she's a terrible public speaker. Uh, and who she's also with? This is an hour and forty five minute long video. We're about to play a selection from. There's a man named a physicist named Dr. Stanton Friedman who mm. wrote. Uh, he was the one who discovered the majestic twelve. Uh, documents, the, the quote-unquote Majestic 12 documents, and has come forward as being like the rational UFO guy. Um, also an insufferable, fat-bodied nerd who <laughs> is... It took me three days just to watch this this presentation. It is a, it is a slideshow. You you watched it, Marcus. Uh, I didn't. His whole time, he's just like, now we went up to New Hampshire to film a movie. I won't be plugging my movie. Uh, <laughs> well, Henry, I heard that he stayed for a week in a hotel room in Toronto and never left. So be careful. <laughs> good, 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 good. Marcus. So it's really going to fucking permanently affect my personality? Uh, yes. He is Again, a... Door. No, but this this guy is a real fucking... He just laughs. It's just got that thing. It's that laugh inappropriately thing. Mm -hmm. Great. Right. Um, that really just makes my skin crawl. Marcus, can you explain the Majestic 12 in like a sentence? You go ahead, Henry. You'll know that better. Just, just furthering me away from love. Every time <laughs> I do it. Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha. Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha. And it started off my day. Correct. Texas Pete. Sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. <coughs> <coughs> That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. But you're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively, but BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And oh, they love their life and they love the they love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. I know Majestic 12 is a Majestic 12 is a part of the uh, what is possibly a secret group of a covert covert like uh, alien uh, investigation group that was like formed by like Prescott Bush and the idea is that they were outside of the government and they were the ones that started basically everything that Project Blue Book was doing would funnel to them uh, and they were the overseers of all beginnings of uh, uh, of alien research and Stanton Friedman believes that he find found the only existing documents um, that had like basically the words Majestic 12 written on them. But the weird thing was is that when he handed them into the, the university, they were all stained with Baja sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. And go. the only way I could describe uh, his appearance, uh, as far as his face goes, kindly Jewish landlord. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. Weird, 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 weird. Because I'd go for um short... Nordic troll. <laughs> well, it's kind of a similar thing to how you feel about most of your landlords. So, <laughs> so let's hear them talk uh, at length about uh, Barney Hill's groin. <laughs> Barney sensed a strange sensation in his groin, a little itchiness, and he went into the bathroom and checked himself to see what was wrong. He didn't see anything then. But not long after that, 21 three-quarter-inch growths appeared in a perfect concentric circle on his groin. Later, under hypnosis, he would tell Dr. Simon that he could feel a cup-like device being placed over his groin in that exact location. Those growths uh, became infected inflamed when Barney was undergoing hypnosis with Dr. Simon and he had to have them surgically removed 
at that time. This is two years after the event, mind you. <laughs> but the growths appeared shortly there after the event. Yeah. Okay. But the inflammation was later. Yes. <laughs> Hour and 45 minutes of that. Wow. I love it. And it's just them going over a PowerPoint presentation. It is an incredibly in-depth, if you want to waste, uh, waste your life like we do, watch it because you get a full breakdown of the whole case. Right, right, right. So he didn't take care of his warts. They became inflamed and infected two years later. And that was a part of the people, like, part of the, like, weird backlash against the hills was that when that information came out, there were people being like, that's just general warts and that pervert black. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was immediately branded a pervert who is riddled with STDs. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. It was. I mean, you know, if Barney did cheat on Betty and he had to make up some story, he nailed it. Right, he <laughs> you know, we'll, I'll, I'll fake an alien abduction. She'll never know that I blew her friend Pam. Yeah, well, truth is stranger than fiction. Me. Right, That's what you right. always got to go to. <laughs> yeah, that would be an explanation on par with John Ramsey. Uh, while, you know, killing his daughter during a sex game gone wrong, saying it was actually an intruder. Mm. Pretty convoluted. Oh, a lot about, convoluted. Lot, yeah. I still think it's suicide. Now that I look back at the whole thing, I think John Bonet just got sick of the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sick kind of, of with you. Sick of the whole, uh, the whole pageant life. If it was <laughs> so suicide, she, she made the right choice. <laughs> So both of them slept until the next afternoon. And then Betty, of course, as Henry said, called her sister uh, Janet. And Janet told her to call Pease Air Force Base. Janet, uh, I think I saw an alien. Oh, Betty, <laughs> that's wonderful. You saw an alien. Mm. And Barney's just sitting there with his head fucking between God his knees. <laughs> I'm going to get murdered. <laughs> um, what's the timeline right now from actually the abduction happening? And where were we at now? Is this like 24 hours? hours or so? Yeah, ne- about 24 hours. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah, it's the it's the next afternoon. So, so they did the compass thing and all that like fairly quickly after the event. They Well, they, yeah, they they did the compass thing like later on. Like they came, they got home at what like five a.m. Yes, uh, something like that. And they slept until the afternoon. And then when Betty woke up, she called her sister. That's when the whole compass thing came okay. into play. Uh, and then after that, she called up Pease Air Force Base and spoke to this guy named Major Paul W. Henderson. And that's when he says, "Yes." Something showed up on our radar last night. And this is pretty much the last time period where the government was actually taking these things pretty seriously. Um, They went through, she went through several different channels uh, because there was a thing called NICAP. Which is like basically a, a section of um, uh, a B- Project Blue Book, uh, and they they came and they recorded everything, and there was a full report, and uh, they they just said uh, you know they were like they're like Betty seemed like a credible witness, and Barney well he was black. <laughs> <laughs> well, Barney didn't say jack shit. Like no. he was completely against calling the Air Force Base. He right. was completely against anybody coming and talking to him. Uh, so yeah, Barney was very much against this entire thing. Uh, but Betty, she said that uh, Major Henderson was very interested in the structure of the UFO itself. Well, especially when he mm. said, when they talked about the fins coming out of either side because that was really finally like them being like, oh, it's some kind of plane because everything else they kept hearing, oh, they kept hearing about saucers at this point. Right. And they had basically said that 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 basically discredited everybody. Yeah. Uh, but Henderson's final report said that the Hills had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. Really? The planet Jupiter often comes down and uh, harasses you on the streets of New Hampshire. I've heard of doing that before. I'm telling you, I've been sitting here looking out that window, and if Jupiter fucking tries me one more time... Don't look at him, Jupiter. I'm going to set fire to a mall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you tell me, Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter's... T- Saying, telling me I'm not good enough. Jupiter's leaving you alone. Oh, I just got a message. It loves you, Henry. Don't set fire to a mall. <laughs> However, even though it did say that they misidentified the planet Jupiter, officially there was an additional item, and that is where he confirmed that there was a radar observation at 2.15 a.m., which was around the time 
uh, that things were going haywire right. for uh, Betty and Barney Hill. And in the 60s, there weren't nearly as many planes in the sky as there is nowadays, so you would really pick up on something if you randomly saw a blip on your radar. That's the most exciting thing that happened to that person who looks at that radar all month. And it's yeah. really kind of unexciting because it's a little blip. Yeah. But, a little you know, tiny blip. They don't have very good stories. <laughs> you know, there's no doubt about that. This one time I saw a cloud that looked like a turkey leg. Okay. <laughs> this other time I saw a cloud. It looked like an ice cream cone. Oh, okay. <laughs> but what I guess you could say is that an ice cream cone-shaped cloud and a turkey leg-shaped cloud are pretty much the same shape. Similar <laughs> shapes, yep. I had a jar of peanuts for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a great lunch. I've never had a friend. Okay. Uh, so about a week later, Betty's at the public library reading up on UFOs because she ain't letting it go. Right. She's uh, become fascinated with it. Yeah. And uh, the, she she loves it. That's a part of another cool detail about the abduction scenario is that when it was happening, Betty, when the, the one thing that they end up recollecting is that Barney looked and saw Betty when she had come back from the abduction scenario, which you'll see, and she was just smiling and laughing, just going like, would you believe this? Can you believe this is happening? Happening. He's just she terrified. was like, she thought it was great. Yeah, but so, Barney, after they got back on the road, uh, after the two-hour gap, uh, Barney saw a light ahead of them, and the only thing he screamed was, Oh, no, not again! Not, he's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like that movie Dirty Work where Norm MacDonald's tripping on the brownies. That, uh, that <laughs> Come <were> with me! <laughs> Adam Sandler's the devil. But it was interesting. You mentioned she has to go to the library. Um, it really does form your entire life uh, after you admit that you've seen aliens and stuff like that. You have to do all this. Uh, publicly. So yeah. now you're the creepy like Betty girl who, you know, is constantly in the library researching all the odd books that no one wants to look no, at. I gotta tell you, it would have been, a, it probably would have been a little bit easier on America if she was a little bit easier on the eyes. Well, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, so she's reading this book and she, she looks like a nutcracker with a wig on. Oh, come on. Who doesn't love a good nutcracker? <laughs> so she finds the name of this guy, Major Donald Kehoe, uh, and she types up a letter and sends it off. To, uh, as Henry mentioned earlier, uh, mentioned NICAP. He was the head of NICAP. Uh, so she said that Barney observed these figures dressed in black, shiny uniforms, Nazis. Uh, <laughs> Nazis. Alien Nazis. Yeah, they yeah, moved. That like- was an image that kept coming back to Barney Hill specifically. So he kept seeing the term Nazi in terms of the leader because the way he described the leader was in a shiny black jacket with a scarf and a black motorcycle cap on, which is, I mean, very fashionable. And mm-hmm. one thing we know about the Nazis, they looked great. Yeah. They did. But what was the uh, mustache like on this Mr. Alien leader? Was it a full or was it a... I don't even know what Hitler's mustache is called. The Hitler mustache. Yeah, I think it's just the Hitler (laughs) mustache. He took it. Yeah, he took it. He used to be called a Liffenwiffer. Oh, the old Liffenwiffer. Yeah, it meant meant, uh, dustpan, dustpan brush Mm -hmm. back in the day. So a few days after the... Or a few days after she wrote the letter, she started to have these dreams. And there were a series of five of them, and they were absolutely terrifying. And uh, she had a dream journal. Every day when she woke up, she would jot down all of the details. And the dreams, there was no sequential storyline to them. Uh, Like, one dream did not follow the other, but after she had all of them written down, she was able to rearrange them into an order that made sense. This happened and then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. It's like when you make a movie, then you splice it together later on. Yeah. You can't necessarily yeah. film all the sequences in, the, in a row. Yeah, exactly. You can go ahead and make a movie now, Ben. You know, you, you film school expert. You. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. I watched by NYU yesterday. <laughs> so the dream is, the dreams are the first glimpse into the lost time. What Yeah, we're going to see this a lot in abduction scenarios again later on, where the, the basically the brain, uh, the conscious memory has refused used uh the memory like to to come forward right so in your unconscious it's easier for it to recall what you're going to see also when they start doing hypnosis their dreams are going to come more and more vivid mm. yeah uh so in one dream uh the roadblock that we mentioned earlier 
Uh, the roadblock comes into play. She said uh, they came upon a roadblock. Uh, these dudes surrounded their car, and uh, Betty and Barney completely lost consciousness. Uh, and that's when she realized that she was being forced by two tiny little guys to walk into the forest, and Barney was walking behind her. And she said when she turned back and called to him, he seemed like he was in some sort of trance, just sleepwalking, just shuffling his feet, and was completely unresponsive. She yeah, said, this the, is also hmm. called a Greek date. <laughs> yes, it's very, very yeah, being fun. a tiny, hairy man, taking a half-sleeping woman out to a forest. <laughs> but this is where he possibly scuffs the top of his shoes. Possibly, because he's, you know, just we'll shuffling We'll see that later on, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she said the guys were about somewhere between five feet and five feet four. Uh, they all had matching blue uniforms. They all kind of looked like military cadets. They were almost human and we also we've seen that a lot of times in uh, alien abduction scenarios Mm -hmm. is that you see these aliens is that they're trying really hard to look human but they just can't quite get it right but that's because a lot of times as you're looking at aliens again if we're going to view aliens as a psychic phenomena they're taking it from our collective memories and our unconsciousness and the idea of how to to basically mask themselves so that we can understand them so that we can be more pliable to their demands but instead this time they showed up as black hair dark eyed with big jimmy durante noses and bluish lips i don't think they understand how to how to sell it no they got the time all wrong yeah no they should be looking all like kate uptons big wiggly beautiful hourglass figures Mm -hmm. just going like oh mr barney don't you want to get on my examination tape and I just, I would be, I'll be jumping in there. Right. You see me running up the ramp. And then you have an evolution of a relationship take place in two hours where by the end of it, you're screaming to get away from her. <laughs> but, but, you know. You know, it's not just the aliens projecting us, uh, projecting uh, something that we can understand into our brains. That's also something that the human consciousness does. Yes, we make things look human. Yeah, well, we all, we make things look human. We want patterns. Uh, but when we see something that our brains can't comprehend that we have no frame of reference for, then we fill in the blanks. Right, which is why they make, that's why with like Asimo and a lot of the uh, new humanoid robot types they're making, their faces are very unique, um, and they're, they're but they're blank surfaces, pretty much. Yeah. And that's, what yeah, is it called? Like what saying. is that it's, term? It's called the Uncanny Valley. Okay. Yes. And so, but you also look at, so like, again, if we want to get into the nature of fucking reality, if you want to come into my hotel room here for a second, <laughs> that oh, if, if there are gaps in our understanding and gaps in how we basically take the information, basically we're seeing grays and what we're doing, our brain is to desperately save our sanity. We're making them look as human as possible in our memories. Um, and somewhere right. between that is is us manipulating reality which is possibly what their whole deal is is what aliens are supposed to do or come here and make us question reality because it's a part of the universal consciousness it's the same thing it's the same thing that alley cats do when they get together put on a trench coat and a top hat and they go to a fine hotel and rent a room yes. we just pretend we know it's a bunch of cats but we're yeah. just like go on and they seduce a gold-hearted prostitute right and then they, she finds out it's a bunch of cats and then she leaves them just being like i can't believe you lied to me and then she comes back and she's like actually i do love you whatsoever and then all those cats have sex with all her holes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i remember that so we're still in the dream right now. Uh, Betty says that uh, Betty and Barney and uh, the little guys that are leading them along, they walk up a ramp. This is a very common, uh, this becomes, you know, of course, very stereotypical later on. They walk up into a ramp, or they walk up a ramp into, you know, the saucer-shaped uh, craft, very metallic. Once they get inside, the aliens separate Barney and Betty. Of course, she starts, you know, she starts protesting a little bit but a man that she called the leader said that if they were examined together it's just gonna take a really long time but like you're an alien who got here from space can't we just figure it out no okay no 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 they cannot (laughs) they also said specifically we're gonna see later on in her regression about how like there's only so much equipment in each room yeah. Right, and right, so, right. and that's all they got. So Barney and Betty take into separate rooms. Betty sees a new guy in the examining rooms, very similar to the others, because a lot, all these guys looked pretty much alike. Uh, they all had the bluish lips. They all had the gray skin. They were all very short. Uh, but she, 
you know, she uh, called this new man the examiner, said he was a lot more pleasant, a lot more calm than the leader. Uh, she said that although both the leader and the examiner spoke to her in English, she said that the examiner was much uh, worse than okay. the leader. That the examiner, his uh, speech was broken. She couldn't really understand yeah, uh, much of what she accents. was saying. Yeah. So the man, she said that they had accents. Like, what kind of accents? I don't know. She said they were, like, vaguely European, so, like, everything that I do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was just, yeah, and it was just, they were like, come, don't even worry, don't look over there. It's just, they're aliens, they're just trying, they're having fun. They're yeah. biological. It's just are being fun. Aliens are, they're, they're biological, right? They're just, like, biological beings? Uh, well. Or are uh, they psychic entities, Ben? Well, and that's again, what I'm, I'm just saying. The, it, where does the chicken and the egg separate between right. psychic reality and physical reality? Maybe we're all just a projection, man. Right, I mean, maybe it's a perfect, uh, an amalgamation, amalgamation? Uh, amalgamation of uh, of all the English dialects. Maybe they just heard what English was from all of the English dialect speakers, and then that's what they came up with as like perfect, perfect American accent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. actually just pretty put good it all theory. together. Uh, so the examiner or Betty said that the examiner told her that they were just going to do a couple of experiments to see what the difference was between humans and aliens. Just a real quick go over. Aliens drive like this, and humans <laughs> drive like that. <laughs> so he sat her down in a chair, showed a real bright light on her, and cut off a lock of her hair. He said that, or she said that he examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat, and hands. Trimmed her fingernails, saved those. Examined her legs and feet. And he then sucked in her feet for a long time. <laughs> yeah, and according you... to the aggression, it was just him just been like, one more second, let me just. <laughs> yeah, just like, I like that. I wish Bernie do that. <laughs> Bernie, you could learn something from him. Ugh, gosh, you know when he makes your, your penis fall off. He clipped <laughs> off her fingernails, and she's like, what do you want those for? And he's like, that's just for me. <laughs> it's for my collection. Yes. Uh, so after he examined her legs and feet, he used a dull knife that she said was uh, looked a lot like a letter opener and scraped some of her skin onto a, <laughs> what looked like cellophane. I just thought of Cinnamon Toast Man. From uh, <laughs> powder <laughs> toast man, yeah, powder toast man, uh, powder toast man. Yeah. Uh, she then said that he tested her nervous system and just jammed this huge needle into her navel, and she said it hurt like hell. But the leader just waved his hand in front of her eyes, and the pain went away. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Henry, do you want to play the hypnotic regression from the navel this episode or the next one? Let's do next episode. All right, cool. Sounds good. So the examiner leaves the room. The leader comes back in, and she said that the leader picked up a book that had a lot of strange symbols in a bunch of rows, and the leader said that she could take it back home with her. Of course, she didn't take it back home with her. She de left without the book. Oh. Yeah. She also uh, asked where the uh, alien was from, and he pulled down this instructional map that was dotted with stars. We'll get into the map later on. When yeah, we yeah, really yeah, because this is a part of regression. more of her regression. Yeah. She just remembers bits and pieces of this, but this is one of the key evidence that shows that, I mean, like, well, if you really want to get into it, that it could, that it could actually be real. Um, but it was also, again, it's about sort of the nature of reality of how the how of how they try to make us think about the universe. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you are an alien and you are listening to this episode, I'm sure that you are. If an American does or anybody asks you where you're from, say Cleveland. Cleveland. <laughs> Always Cleveland. <laughs> so Betty, as she was leaving, she said, no matter what you do to me, one day I'm going to remember all of this. And she gets back into the car. Barney's there waiting for her. Uh, the leader said, all right, you should probably wait until we leave. To, and then, but then he asks her, well, you'll see in the regression, he's just like, okay, all right. Because that's literally how he behaves with her. She'd be like, huh, you're funny, you're funny, okay. Well, do you want to watch us leave? And she's just like, you bet I do, Clarkson. <laughs> she's just like, okay. So she watched it, and he said, basically, you watch it. This is more of the regression thing, too, where the ship just kind of flipped like a ball and then glue like a just sort of glowing and then zipped up into the sky. So Barney, while Betty was having these dreams, he was working nights and he was never at home while any of this transpired, while any of these dreams transpired. So she started talking to him about the dreams and he said, it's only dreams, fucking drop it. 
Stop talking about aliens. Barney right. wanted to put this entire thing behind him. And it is important to note that Barney refused to read her dream accounts, refused to listen to him. But he did overhear Betty talking to a guy about part of the dream at one point. Because one of the really big things that uh, people use uh, to say that their hypnotherapy was actually effective and that it was actually true yeah. is that it was done at different times. It was done in different places. And they hadn't really discussed any of this stuff beforehand because Barney just did not want to hear. He refused to. And the other thing right. too is that a thing that a thing we did forget is that during when they were dazed, when they came back after the the abduction the first time, Barney actually had the idea of like, hey, why don't we let's just okay, oh you want to tell me it's happened? Okay, let's both write to draw a picture of what we saw, uh, and and then show it to each other. And they both drew the same exact cigar shaped craft with lights on the side of it and the two red fins on either side of it and that will also serve as evidence that w that they both saw something yeah i mean and it is it's got to be tough being barney he's working for the united states postal service barney's not, in a lot of pressure long nights and then next thing you know you got to go back to your wife every single morning with the alien talk never never oh, yeah, never yeah, a yeah. fun maybe breakfast. maybe it helped their sex life, though. Well, I don't think it's so. Been, because I'm a pound. I'm a pound at UFO at your ass. Yeah. Pam, 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 Yeah, don't for, work around the perfect circle of warts, honey, when, <laughs> when you're trying to blow me. It'll be difficult. Oh, yeah. So that is, uh, that's part one of Betty wow. and Barney Hill. Now, this is definitely awesome. the more informational side. And to next, next week, we're getting into some of the deeper parts of, like, a, a Probably because of the nature of this 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 incident, there's a lot of details. It's a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, Betty and Barney Hill. I didn't know there was so much to this story. There's so much more to the story because we got to get into the hypnotherapy. Right. Uh, we've got to get into the reaction, the worldwide reaction to this, uh, and we've got to get into one of the most important parts and possibly the the smoking gun, the actual star map. Uh, that was shown to Betty or supposedly shown, allegedly shown to Betty while aboard the spacecraft. And then it's all going to conclude with uh, Barney getting his uh, U.S. Postal Service badge for 150 days worked straight. <laughs> he never missed a day. Never no. missed a day. Yeah, never missed yeah. a day. Died of a stroke at a mm. young age. Okay. Yep, so, yeah, but also vacation. showing an alien's odd fascination with uh, the the uh, distinctly human uh, phenomena of jungle fever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's, uh, it's not okay anymore, Henry. Oh, it's not? No, no. they decided it was bad. Oh, yeah, okay. I didn't I truly did not know. I was talking to <laughs> you and Jackie. You yeah. just there's just so many things that you don't know about racial slurs. It's a Zabrowski yeah. <laughs> block. There was a black guy who told me that, that I had it because I was talking to a to a black gal and I was just like, We're in Brooklyn. You know, and <laughs> there's no jungle. Uh, uh, I, I want to uh, say th a thank you to uh, a listener who sent us something really nice. This guy, uh, Jesse Rooney, sent us some homemade keychains, uh, some last podcast on the left keychains that uh, he mailed out to us. Uh, he included a really nice letter along with it and he also made me the coolest possible housewarming gift he made me uh this nice little placard that said home sweet home on it but home sweet home was written on three separate pieces of human ribs so that's illegal cool. think, but that's okay <laughs> now you can legally get human ribs okay yeah 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 all you gotta do is find a skeleton <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all yeah, over I mean, the place you can't make a skeleton no. but you can find a skeleton uh, yeah, yeah 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 so thank you jesse it's hanging in my apartment right now, yeah. and I very much appreciate it. Unbelievable. Uh, Thank oh, you so much. Yeah, and uh, speaking of fans, you guys are fucking great. Go to the join the Facebook page. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at LP on the left. Follow Henry Henry Loves You, Ben at Ben Kissel, me at Marcus Parks. Go to iTunes, and be sure, if you haven't subscribed to Last Podcast on the Left, go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. These things uh, really help us out a lot. If you want your Last Podcast on the Left t-shirt, go to cavecomedyradio.com slash last podcast on the left uh, $25 domestic $40 international uh, and uh, Heil Gein everyone yeah let's do, well, let's do a hail yourselves hail Satan my sweet prince and um, hail me you know 
Send me, send me some poutine, man. Send it in the mail. <laughs> you want to send? You want to be sent Putin? Poutine? Yeah. Poutine. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. it's a sloppy good time, my friend. Oh, really? it's French fries and gravy. Oh, perfect. That sounds <laughs> awesome. And uh, let's all do a uh, a magustalations. Magustalations all the way up to fucking Tao said, "You come pick me up, aliens." They're never gonna. No, no, no. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction, and it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod.